to Paranormal Northwest, a podcast all about the history and the paranormal of the Pacific Northwest. Join me as I tell stories of this great region, the history, the people who live here, and those who may have never left. Welcome to October! This month I have a few surprises up my sleeve, or in my mic, so to speak, but we're going to start with a little bit of normalcy. Almost. For today's episode, we are traveling north, way north, to Sitka, Alaska. We are taking a look at the Russian bishop's house. Forewarning, I am not a Russian speaker, and I will try my best to properly pronounce names and places in this episode. So grab your sweater, your blanket, and a cup of tea or cocoa, and let's get started. Located in Sitka, Alaska, the Russian Bishop's House is one of the oldest surviving buildings from Russian America. Russian America is the term used to describe the area of what is now North America that was colonized by the Russians between the latter half of the 1600s up until about 1867. Much of the area that that was colonized by the Russians during this time period was in what is now Alaska and British Columbia. Russian explorers had long desired a route connecting the Pacific and Arctic Oceans, Many expeditions over the years attempted to define this. In 1648, Semyon Deshinov led an expedition into what is now the Bering Strait. Their journey was plagued by storms and shipwrecks, but legends told over the years were that some of the ships were carried off course and landed in what is now Alaska. The legend even said that this group then colonized that area. However, later expeditions have attempted to discover remnants of this settlement, but none have ever been found. As the 17th century wound down, further exploration across the North Pacific was sought. However, the politics of the Baltic region delayed exploration. In 1700, conflict arose in the Baltic region, as Sweden's expanding empire was challenged by other Baltic powers. These included Peter I of Russia, Frederick IV of Denmark and Norway, and Augustus II the Strong of Saxony, Poland, and Lithuania. The ensuing conflict is known as the Great Northern War. And don't worry, this connects to Alaska, I promise. (laughs) The Great Northern War was started when the three powers mentioned before took the opportunity to attack a weakened Swedish empire in 1700. The conflict raged for more than 20 years until 1721. During this time, people living in the region joined and supported those who were strong. Both Frederick and Augustus's forces were quickly defeated, so many of their surviving military personnel joined the stronger Russian forces. Vitus Bering was one of these people. Bering was born in Denmark and began working on ships at the age of only 15. He traveled much of the known world at the time, receiving naval training over eight years. He attended official naval officer training in Amsterdam. Bering was also a skilled cartographer and explorer. In 1704, Bering joined the Russian Navy and was immediately noted as an officer. He was quickly promoted, ultimately ending his naval career with the rank of second captain. Beginning in 1725, Emperor Peter the Great called for a series of expeditions through the area. Bering was tasked by the emperor to lead these expeditions. The first Kamchatka expedition lasted from 1725 to 1731 and was Russia's first scientific exploration. The first Kamchatka expedition was tasked with exploring the Asian Pacific coastline. Another task of the expedition was to land Russian explorers on North America and hopefully pave the way to establishing a colony there. 
In our modern world, we often take for granted such things as geography. We can verify landforms, shapes, and sizes by aerial, satellite, and sonographic imaging. But before modern technology, mapping was not nearly as precise, although some historic maps are amazingly accurate. At the time of the first Kamchatka expedition in 1725, it was believed that the continents of Asia and North America were connected with a narrow land bridge. While Bering's expedition did not find the land bridge, they did discover the strait that is now named after him, the Bering Strait. With the success of the first Kamchatka expedition, Bering was again selected to lead another expedition, the second Kamchatka expedition, from 1733 to 1743. Later known as the Great Northern Expedition, this new expedition was tasked with mapping the Arctic coastline and Siberia, as well as further exploring North America. At the time, Emperor Peter I had visions of a northern sea route from Russia to Europe. We now know there is no northern sea route. However, due to the ice caps melting, there is easier shipping access through the Arctic. Although the expedition did not discover the northern sea route, the work that was done to map and explore the Arctic is noted as the European discovery of Alaska, the Aleutian Islands, and led to further Russian exploration and colonization in the region. Vitus Bering died on December 19, 1741, on what is now Bering Island. Bering and a number of his crew had become too ill to sail and stopped at the island. They were unable to complete their portion of the expedition, but the work they did impacts us still today. One of the things the explorers brought back to St. Petersburg with them were sea otter pelts. These pelts became renowned around the world as being the finest furs. It was these sea otter pelts that sparked Russian settlement in what is now Alaska. Almost immediately after the return of the Great Northern Expedition, settlers rushed to Alaska. Most of these settlers came with the intent purely to trap and capture furs. They started first in the Aleutian Islands. The Aleutian Islands are located in the Bering Sea, the most northern part of the Pacific Ocean. These are all of those small islands extending westward from mainland Alaska to Russia. They are a series of 14 large volcanic islands and 52 or 55 smaller islands. Fun, totally random fact, because of these islands, Alaska is both the farthest west and the farthest east state in the United States. Most of the Aleutian Islands belong to Alaska and the United States, but the western end is controlled by Russia. The native people of the Aleutian Island are the Aleuts. Historically, they lived throughout the islands, as well as along the western edge of mainland Alaska. Starting in the late 18th century, the Aleut people began trading with the Russians, who had established settlements throughout the islands. In May of 1784, the previously peaceful relationship between the Aleuts and Russians changed. The otter population had been diminishing throughout the previous years, undoubtedly due to the increased demand for their fur throughout Asia and Europe. During this time period, the Russians were giving the Aleuts less and less in exchange for their furs. Negotiations were attempted, but ultimately failed. Four leaders of the Aleuts were killed under the orders of the Russian leader, including the daughter of an Aleutian chief. This caused the remaining Aleut people to move farther along the Aleutian island chain, in an attempt to push themselves farther from the Russians. Throughout the late 18th and into the 19th centuries, the Aleutian Islands had a great deal of trade with the Japanese as well. 
It is through the records and accounts of the Japanese traders that the events of May 1784 are known. Like many native people around the world, the Aleuts were affected by diseases brought by outsiders. This led to the population decline in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. At the time of the 1910 census, only 1,491 people identified as being Aleuts. However, the population has increased, and as of the 2000 census, there were nearly 12,000 Aleuts, with nearly 17,000 people claiming they were descended from Aleuts. Today, the modern Aleut people continue to honor their ancestors, as well as continuing to adapt to the modern world. Like with many trading ventures, the initial traders in the Aleutian Islands were small groups of men, often operating on their own. As the fur trade expanded and demand for the furs increased throughout Asia and Europe, companies began to form in order to profit off this trade, and so the Russian American Company came to be. Officially known as the Russian American Company under the high patronage of His Imperial Majesty, the Russian American Company was chartered in 1799 by Emperor Paul I. I personally had no idea who he was, but his mom was Catherine the Great. And you can hear my cat in the background, but this is the third time I've tried recording this segment, and he's just being a cat today. The goal of the Russian-American company was to establish and maintain Russian settlements in North America. Throughout the late 1700s and early 1800s, this company established many settlements throughout primarily Alaska and California, with a few even in Hawaii. This exploration continued in the early 1800s. However, this angered both the British and the Americans. Both the United States and Great Britain were establishing claims in the Pacific Northwest. In a series of treaties, the boundaries of the region were cut up. This essentially gave Russians access to California and what is now Alaska. The land in between, what is now British Columbia and the states of Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, were divided between the British and Americans. What became known as Russian America consisted mostly of the present state of Alaska. After the Great Northern Expedition, the Russian American Company began to establish more settlements in Alaska. The primary purpose of these settlements was for trade, and especially the fur trade. However, the Russian American Company did little to aid in the endeavors of the settlements. Every two or three years, a ship would arrive with provisions for the settlers that lasted only a fraction of the time between visits. This caused the settlers to rely heavily on trade with the Aleuts and even on the British and American traders in the region. The Russian settlers traded what they had, furs, specifically the furs they were trapping that were meant to be sold in Asia and Europe. This amounted to nearly 2 million rubles worth of furs in only a 12-year period. After this time period, the Russian America, American company restructured their managers. This change led to less and less interactions with the Americans and British in the region. These new managers were also naval officers and had very little, if any, knowledge of the fur trade. Because of this, the Russian endeavors in the Americas began to falter. Starting shortly after the restructuring of the Russian-American company, the Russians focused their endeavors on missionary work with the native people of the area. When talking about colonization and settlement in an area, especially the Americas, the main reasoning was often economical. The benefit of that was the ability to convert native peoples to their religion. In this case, that religion was the Russian Orthodox Church. Many of the priests and Russian settlers had a very difficult time communicating with the native Aleuts. However, much of this changed when a young priest named Ivan Benyaminov was sent to what is now Alaska in 1823. Ivan Avesievich Popov was born on August 26, 1797 in Irkutsk 
province in Russia. Ivan's father died when he was only six, and he went to live with his uncle. His uncle was a Russian Orthodox deacon and encouraged Ivan's theological studies. At the age of ten, he entered the theological seminary in Irksk. There, he was renamed Ivan Vyanimenov, after a recently deceased bishop. However, I am still just going to call him Ivan, for now. When he was 20, he married the daughter of a local priest. That same year, in 1817, he was also named a deacon. After completing his studies, Ivan became a teacher at the parish school. Early in 1823, the Bishop of Erkst was instructed to send a priest to what is now Unalaska in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska. Ivan, along with his brother, his mother, his wife, and their infant son, made the year-long journey by land and sea finally arriving in Unalaska on July 29, 1824. Ivan and his family built an earthen hut, and Ivan began to learn the dialect of the people of the area. He would also travel by canoe to the various islands in the region, and had soon mastered six of the local dialects. Ivan was able to write the dialects in the Russian alphabet and translate portions of the Bible for the people to read, in 1834, he was transferred to what is now Sitka. He formed a close relationship with the Klingit people there and studied their language and customs. It was during this time the Russian bishop's house was built. In 1836, he traveled the extent of Russian America, ending up in what is now Northern California. Tracing Ivan's career is impressive, especially with how much travel he did, during a time when international travel was still fairly difficult. By 1838, he was back in Russia, visiting St. Petersburg and becoming an archpriest. After the death of his wife, shortly thereafter, Ivan became a monk and was again elevated in status. He continued to work in Russian America, and by 1850, he was an archbishop, thereafter known as Bishop Innocent. Bishop Innocent devoted his life to the church and its teachings. He died on March 31, 1879, and was buried outside of Moscow. Ivan, known as Bishop Innocent, was canonized as a saint on October 6, 1977 by the Russian Orthodox Church. Innocent's feast is celebrated in the United States on March 30th. Now, let's take a look at Sitka, Alaska, which is where the Russian bishop's house is located. Sitka, Alaska is located in the southeastern portion of the state and currently has a population of approximately 8,400 people. It is the fifth largest city in Alaska. However, it is the largest city in the United States by area. The name Sitka means people on the outside of Baranoff Island in the Klingit language. At the time of Russian occupation, Sitka was known as New Archangel. This was the primary location for the Russian Orthodox missionaries who traveled to Alaska. It was also the capital of Russian America. The Russian bishop's house was built between 1841 and 1843 by Finnish immigrants in what is now Sitka. It is one of the few examples left of Russian colonial architecture and only one of three or four buildings left in North America from Russian colonialism. And I found different accounts saying that there was three buildings left, but I found multiple accounts also saying that there was four. So we're just going to go with three to four. Throughout the 19th and early mid-20th century, the house was used as a home for bishops and priests, as well as a chapel and inn, and even housed a print shop. However, by the 1960s, the building was in disarray. The walls had rotted, the roof leaked, the floors and doorways tilted. It was no longer habitable, and was closed by the Russian Orthodox Church in 1969. 
Only a few years later, in 1973, the property was purchased by the National Park Service. The National Park Service spent 16 years restoring the property to what it looked like in 1853. And today, the site is open from May through September for visitors. So, sadly, it's now October, so it's closed, um, but go back in May. <laughs> so, you might think that with the extensive history of Russian America, especially in this area, there would be a plethora of paranormal activity in the Russian Bishop's House, especially with the amount of people that had to have traveled through that building. But there doesn't seem to be. The only activity that I can find is sightings of a mysterious woman in a blue dress. Although she does appear to have been sighted multiple times, there doesn't seem to be any other activity. So if you have ever visited the Russian Bishop's house and have experienced something, please let me know. This location shows up on nearly every list of haunted Alaska, so there has to be more. But I just wasn't able to find it. So sadly, that's a wrap on the Russian Bishop's house, and although I did find all the history intriguing, it doesn't quite fit into the paranormal aspect, and sadly, they can't all. But next time, I have a very special episode planned that is not quite in the Pacific Northwest, and it is arguably very paranormal, but I think you'll like it, even though it's a little outside of our scope. So please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Para and W Pod. Until next time, bye.